Well, we just had a great chat with uh, David Icke's sons, Gareth and Jamie. That was Ben and I, Ben Hunt and I. Uh, we went on their show recently and having checked out all their content on Iconic, we thought it would be lovely to get the boys on and get their their take on uh, all kinds of things. What it was like growing up um, with a with a dad like David, what, what sort of blew back on them their awakenings to all the uh, nonsense that's been going on. And um, yeah, just uh, lots of good chats about the elites and um, their machinations. Um, yeah, we didn't touch too much on the food thing, but um, we, we did on their channel. Um, we we will do hopefully in future maybe on, on, on their channel and get into it a bit more. But uh, they've definitely seen through that side of it as well that uh, there is a war on meat. There's a there's a war on all sorts of natural foods. Um, but yeah, so please enjoy this interview. Uh, it's uh, it's there's some funny moments. It's uh, some great stories from the boys, and um, yeah, so some very positive uh, positive outlook at the end. So um, yeah. Uh, Please, if you're interested in um, finding out more about the food side of things and how we've been fooled and how to reclaim your health, please check out uh, the Big Fat Challenge that Ben and I run. And you can find that at www.thebigfatchallenge.com. If anybody's out there with any autoimmune condition or whatever and would like a consult, we'll have a look at the links below this. Um, they'll be there as well uh, to find our, our challenge, my consults, all sorts of other useful things. So, hope you enjoy this um, wonderful podcast with Gareth and Jamie Ike. Cool. Well, um, everybody, welcome back to the Red Pill Buddhist podcast. And thanks so much for both Gareth and Jamie Ike for coming on and chatting to us. We went on their show recently, Ben and I. Ben, I've got him on as co-host today. And we um, we went on recently and had a little chat about the food conspiracy and all that, which is our kind of, um, you know, our, our area. But I, I, I went on and I had a look at, at some of the um, the content on Iconic and, you know, they've both got a show on there and it's fantastic, incredible content. Honestly, get on there, join. The guests are fantastic. They go right into some of the most crazy things that are going on at the moment. And no wonder it's not on YouTube. Um, well done. It's fantastic. So welcome. Thanks so much for coming on. Oh, it's a pleasure, mate. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks. You know, one thing I'd love to ask you both to start with is, um, you know, I, I, I was introduced to your dad, you know, or your dad's, I only met him actually during the summer when we were, we were both, uh, I was playing with the dad's band and he was talking at one of the freedom festivals and, you know, what a lovely dude, absolutely lovely. And 
it, the the stick that he must have taken over the years i i was first introduced to him probably about 1998 somebody took me along to a talk and he was uh doing the reptilian stuff at the time and I actually ended up meeting somebody who I was with for five years at that talk, and it was tremendously turbulent. So I blame him completely for that. And <laughs> but it was it was cool. And I just thought, you know, I hadn't really woken up to much of this stuff. And I thought, well, what the hell? Why not? You know, I hope it's true. Sounds amazing. And so, you know, we're going to get on later into the, the the rift among truthers. It was the first conversation Ben and I had with Gareth at a Mark Atwood uh, event that we were at. Um, you know, everybody being accusing everybody of being um, um, controlled opposition and all of that. But, you know, when you were growing up, how much of, of what your dad was talking about kind of backfired on you? There was so much, um, um, you know, um, so much hate for him around that time. And it was it was absolutely crazy since, you know, 99 percent of what he said, obviously now to anybody has come true. But what was it like growing up and and did that sort of backfire on you? And how did your awakening happen? And, and uh, you know, the, the 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 amazing work that you do now. Um, it was, it's a weird one, really, because when I was a kid, when it first kind of started, he was on Wogan and all that kind of stuff. It was laughter. So it was people would just basically laugh at you, take the mick out of you in the street and shout abuse. But it was all like, you know, taking the mick abuse, you know, kind of thing. And then, which wasn't very pleasant. And, um, you know, the weird part of it was that the media were like camped outside my school and stuff like that, which I still to this day don't understand because I was in, you know, in middle school because um, we had middle schools on the Isle of Wight then. So I'm probably, what, nine, ten years old. And you think, why do you want a picture of a nine, ten-year-old? That Like, what's what's the story? What's the angle? It doesn't make any sense. It just feels like you're just bullying for the sake of bullying. Um, so that was weird. But then what happened later, um, which was probably more when Jay came into the realm, because Jay's 11 years younger than me, um, was it went from laughter. You know, you'd still get a bit of that or Nata, um, lizard head and all that sort of stuff. But it then became anger a lot. So he would be attacked as being, you know, a hate preacher or an anti-Semite. And and that, in a way, was was tougher, I think. Um, to deal with because if someone's just taking the mickey out of you they take the mickey out of you they call your names and you just kind of whatever but when someone you know calls you something that is actually the polar opposite to what you are that's sort of slightly weirder I think and and that was that was slightly tougher to deal with I think in the end it's like water off a duck's back and you know people call you something now and you go you know, you're an anti-semite am I what isn't you know but at the time when that those accusations first started flying it was it was pretty weird it, it it is a funny one, isn't it? During that uh, Daz Band tour that we did last year, um, somebody popped up and started um, going uh, well, phoning around all the venues, phoning police, saying that we were anti-Semitic, that Darren was a Nazi. You know, Darren from the from from people who don't know runs the Light Paper in in England, also the Daz Band, and and actually got one of our gigs shut down. The rest of them just told him to piss off. But he, you know, and he was sending personal messages to us saying how evil Darren was and how satanic and all of that. Very weird. So how how about for you, Jamie? What was what 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 was it like growing up with that? Um, well, what you're describing there had to deal with for a number of years when we were trying to do events of our own. We have to keep, and even now, we have to keep venues secret till ninety minutes before the show because we had so many venues even on the day cancel events that you'd have to have a plan you know c d e in every single city because of, as soon as people got hold of the venue they'd phone them as you say there they'd lie they'd say this and that the other are going to happen none of which has ever happened there's never been a punch thrown in anger at one of his events all over the world 
until this particular tour is on at the moment, we never had any security beyond me and Gareth, basically, if anything kicked off. And it never did. It was all lies. Um, but people's backbone goes. And there's, as you say, there's certain things that you get accused of, as Gaz pointed out, like, you know, racism, anti-Semitism, stuff like that. But as soon as anybody is accused of those things, they immediately, they panic. When just because somebody says you are something doesn't mean you are. And it's such an easy slur to call somebody a Nazi to the point that really, for me, the weight of that word's gone. If someone called you a racist 20 years ago, you'd been mortified. If they call you it now, no one cares because it's <laughs> it's just a way of trying to shut you up and to get you to stop saying whatever you're saying. So that's dangerous, though. Isn't it, it is dangerous because, because there is real racism it, out there. You know? There is absolutely there's real sexism. There's real, um, you know, abuse going on and stuff. But it's all overshadowed by um, by people claiming things that haven't happened or just trying to use it as to shut down either their political rivals or people that have a different viewpoint to them. And, um, yeah, so for me, it doesn't really bother me, the names. It never really has. Um, it just it is what it is. It's, if you're doing something right these days, you get called something. If they leave you alone, then I'd be more worried. Yeah. What they did as well, they, wanted, they, they would try and get these venues shut down. They would say, you know, he's a hate preacher, he's this and he's that. Obviously, no, never any evidence to back it up because there isn't any. Um, and so a lot of venues would not waver at that point because they would at least try and believe they were free speech to a certain degree so that they wouldn't pull the show. And then what was the final kicker that a lot of these so-called anti-hate groups used, your campaign against anti-Semitism, your Hope Not Hates and CCDH, all, all those sorts, is they would say to the venue, having told a pack of lies about how it was going to kick off or whatever, and like Jay says, it never did, they would say, well, if this event goes ahead, we can't guarantee the safety of your staff. And at that point, that's when you found a lot yeah. of venues, their arseholes went and they thought, well, shit, you know, I've got to protect my staff. It's my duty. I'm their employer. And they would pull at that point. So that was that was their sort of last trip. One of those it was. And occasionally the local authorities as well. I remember in Leicester, we had a whole tour planned around the UK in 2018 and we were going to end in Leicester which was obviously his hometown it's the first time he'd done a show there since like 95 something like that lovely theatre right in the centre of town I'd been down because they're obviously down the road from us been down met the lady really got on well talked through it um, told her everything about um, you know people trying to shut us down didn't have a problem with it sold the venue out and then I got a call from her saying that a police officer um, from the Prevent Initiative and a, a council, local councillor um, had turned up basically saying that they've had this intelligence, which means they've seen a few tweets of people. <laughs> and then um, that the, basically they, they couldn't guarantee the safety of the event. They couldn't guarantee the safety of staff and so on and um, advised her to cancel the event. Um, to which then I, um, she copied me in on an email chain with the two people. So I reached out to them and went and had a meeting down at um, Mansfield Road Police Station in Leicester. And um, yeah, it, they they basically knew nothing. They'd never read any books. They'd been on the they'd been on the website half a dozen times, and they'd just taken a few tweets and stuff that people had put out. But what was most terrifying is that the police officer was part of a counter terrorism unit. Like that's how extreme. The pushback was it was just absolutely insane insane that's that's the most bizarre it's got definitely leicester man united was pretty weird as well wasn't it man united yeah i got escorted off of our trafford's premises yeah that was quite weird because they they pulled and they basically found out that it was pulled by a public tweet by an mp wasn't it kate, kate green a labor yeah. mp for a labor mp for manchester who 
a few people had basically what stitches up the venue was secret and somebody was trying to resell some tickets and they put them on ebay and they knew where the venue was because it was the day of the event so they'd obviously put where the venue was a few people found out and then started tweeting at Manchester United. And then, yeah, this MP got involved going, yeah, I agree, this is wrong. I'm going to get involved. And uh, I'm going to phone Man United now. And you got the racism charity, kick it out. The kick football, out, involved, football yeah. racism charity, kick it out, got involved. And all just kept jumping on a bandwagon, basically. And then, uh, yeah, got the event pulled. An organisation whose whole funding is based on them finding racism everywhere they can possibly find it. They don't want to kick it out because then the gravy train finishes. That's the joke. 100%. 100%. I was expecting like Salem witch trials and, and witch hunters going around the country, you know, in the uh, in the Middle Ages here, that just the accusation of being a witch was enough to practically to condemn you. Yeah. You know, that's where that, that whole, um, that there's no smoke without fire comes from. Well, they, they wouldn't be saying that if there was no smoke without fire. You're like, mate, there's smoke without fire all over the place. Where people just make stuff up, and I remember we went to the launch of Renegade, the the, the documentary in London, and there were all these people outside that were part of this anti-Semitism group, um, and they were basically holding banners and shouting at people as they were walking in. I remember just coming in, and I had my daughter with me. I was with my wife and my daughter. How old was she? Had been like fresh out, the, yeah, out six of work. months, yeah, yeah. Like so, I was quite conscious of hang on a minute, like this is. And I remember there was these these lads there, um, and then this guy walked in ahead of me. It was quite a big, heavy set black guy. And at the time, they were shouting like the day, like he's racist, he's out. And this guy in front of me went, "Sorry, can you give me an example of his racism, please?" And this lad, he looked petrified. He didn't have an answer. He turned to what I reckon was his mum, like for an answer. She didn't have one either. And this big lad was like, "Yeah, I thought so," and walked in. And I thought I was like. That's quite a powerful moment, actually, especially where it comes from, from from a guy, you know, a black guy as well. That kind of gave it some extra oomph that this lad just he had no answer. His mum had said, this guy's horrible, come out and, and demonstrate. And it's funny because around the same era, the same time was when they were going um, for the saxophonist. Um, what is his Gilad Asmon. Gilad Asmon, who's actually a Jewish guy. He's the son of a rabbi. But because he speaks out against Israel, he's accused of anti-Semitism. He's a self-hater. Self-hating Jew, yeah. So you, you have... <laughs> these labor activists because it's always labor um basically trying to get his shows shut down and someone had got this footage right it's amazing to watch you probably gonna find it on youtube of they're all stood outside and they're holding the sheets of you know with quotes the things that he said and they're, they're gonna you know they're having a bit of a briefing of how they're gonna talk to the public and they're all you know volunteers anti-hate and gillard is stood in the middle of them right and he's there going reading them he's going right so this what is this and they're going oh yeah blah, blah. they didn't even know who he was they didn't even know he was. They'd gone to try and get a, a gig shut down in North London of a guy they didn't even know what he looked like. This is extraordinary. And bearing in mind, at his gigs, he wasn't even speaking. He was playing, he was playing sax. saxophone. He's very hard to speak with a saxophone in your mush. Yeah, it? It's yeah. not like it's just <laughs> insanity. And he's a, he's a very well-respected, high-level musician, isn't he? And he's lost so much of his career as, as a session artist as a result of just people seeing him as a headache because of the this trouble he brings when it's yeah. not his fault at all. It's and I'm pretty just, sure, if I remember rightly, with that gig in Angel, I'm pretty sure Corbin... St. Corbin even got involved with trying to get him shut down with that. Yeah, which is just mad given they went for him and all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they, they used the same strategy against him as well, didn't they? And uh, completely baseless, bizarre yeah. stuff. Yeah, and he he dealt with it like a coward too. He, yeah. he could have come out on the on the front foot and gone back at him, and he didn't. He cowered and he apologised and he, 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 lost, he lost support within his own base by doing that. It's, that's the thing, you, you never apologise to the mob, ever. Yeah, you because don't. they'll eat you alive. Hundred percent. Yeah, 
So, you know, this, this, um, you know, that first chat that we had up in the green room there, this, this, what's going on, do you think, this sort of rift among the truthers and this ridiculous sort of statement that we're always sort of laughing at where somebody says, oh, well, if you say that, then you've lost all credibility with everything else. You know, I mean, some of the, some of the most amazing things I've learned is uh, from people that I probably disagreed with 90%. And so, you know, everybody's got some gems in there. What's going on with the truthers? Why why is there this ridiculous division there where people are uh, sort of accusing, you know, people of being controlled opposition? Surely we've got a common enemy, even if we have slightly different opinions. I think there's there's a few reasons, and I'm saying that in front of a brick wall, which means we're Freemasons. I've had that one before. Um, <laughs> is is that um, some of it's ego? People love to people love to know something that other people don't. It just feels good to be able to suggest that you know something. Oh, you do you not know that? Um, another part of it is I think people go sometimes so far down the rabbit hole, which is easily done, where actually you you end up meeting yourself coming back, and you lose all 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 kind of sense of of rationale. I mean, I remember at this jam for freedom, there was a guy behind me, and he went, "You're not a woman, are you?" And I went, "Is he talking about you?" Right, because obviously that whole thing went around about us being transgender and he went i didn't know what to believe he said but i'm stood behind you and i'm looking at your calves and i'm thinking they're not a woman's calves i was like no they're not mate <laughs> but but so many people believed that stuff because it was you know you've gone so far down the rabbit hole then yeah why why isn't everyone you know no transgender it was kind of crazy and then another part of it which is the sinister part of it is i think there's probably some at least that are calling other people controlled up op- that are the controlled opposition themselves and they're seeking to divide the whole group. Because I think back to, you know, if you look back at the, the miners' strikes, you know, particularly in the 80s in Nottinghamshire and Derbyshire, they were all, and Yorkshire, they were all infiltrated by MI5. Um, and you had all this um, British intelligence had infiltrated all these things. And you're like, and that's just the miners' strikes. You think they're not infiltrating the lo- the anti-lockdown movement or or the, you know, you know pro choice movement or whatever you know of course they are it's just identifying which ones are which um and what the problem we have is that everyone then just starts is that image of uh spider-man pointing at the other spider-man you know that meme it's like everyone's just accusing everyone of everything which is not helpful at all no it just creates more division which is the opposite of what we're meant to be trying to achieve we can all disagree on the fine details of what we want to change but the main things that we want to change are, are all pretty united i'd say the fact that the system we have doesn't work for us and we want to bring in a better one all the arguments about you know how that should happen or what happens after you die or what diet's best or all that stuff we can kind of go back to arguing about that later i think as gaz says ego is a massive one i think there's definitely a lot of people that want credit that want um you know a good pat on the back that you know i was the one that saved the world these kind of narcissistic hero complexes that people have and that's definitely part of it yeah. oh we don't we don't know any of those do we ben <laughs> not that i can I think we can all probably take <laughs> a few names that would be a common common <laughs> few but um but yeah that, that, that's that's definitely part of it and as, as guys says as well to infiltrate the movement that's definitely 100 percent. there's people in there and i'm sure everyone has their opinions on who they are but in terms of um you know the discrediting everything you've said before because you say one thing you don't agree with no one would apply that logic to anything else. You know, you don't you don't have to like every song a band mate, a band like to like one song. You know, you don't dislike them because they make one you don't like, if you like everything that's gone before. And it's 
It's such a strange one. It's like people want that guru that is right about absolutely everything and says everything that they want to say. Like I see it, I see it at some of David's shows. Like I saw it the other day in Plymouth, where all this guy was obsessed about was the flat earth, right? And he kept shouting out during the QA, the earth's flat, and it was ridiculous. It doesn't sound like a flat earth. No, I know. But flat earthers and vegans, they're the they're 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 you can't argue with them. But um it was like, okay, let's say the earth's flat. How does that re- relate to everything else that's been discussed tonight? Does it mean everything else is irrelevant? No. In which case, just maybe open your mind to the fact that that's not the only thing you need to know. Um, but yeah, there's definitely. It also doesn't make any difference to anything. No. Because if you th- and when you say that to them, they'll come back and go, "Well, no, it would prove that the government's been lying." Well, you, we know that you already. Need, you need more evidence for that, do you? <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's a funny thing. It's, it's so emotive, the flat earth thing, isn't it? We we were doing a carnival conference in 2019 and leading up to it, one of one of our sort of colleagues had mentioned something about doubting the shape of the earth. And it wasn't even flat earth. It was just sort of dimensional thing or the possibility. I mean, who knows what it is? And everybody went crazy. And I had to make this video about it saying, for God's sake, just calm down. You know, they were saying, right, don't even go to the conference because this particular individual had mentioned something about maybe it's not what we've been told. But, you know, on that on that sort of tack, really, how, you know, how far down the rabbit hole do you guys go? Because, you know, I, I think a lot of the things I've seen over the last three years with this complete shit show, I cannot believe that there are actually humans. I mean, we've written a lot about the rise of the psychopath, haven't we, in the red pill and the revolution, the red pill food revolution and whatever. But do you think it's all human? Do you think there's anything behind it? What do you think about these sort of, um, you know, uh, there's supposed to be wars between certain other sort of alien groups, some that are with us, some that aren't. And what, what, how far down the rabbit hole do you guys go? I'm open to everything. Yeah. And I think more people are now over the last three years. If you said something to someone three, four years ago, they'd have instantly battered you away. So it's fucking lunatic. Whereas now, you know, a lot more people are like, well, I don't know, actually, because I would have thought this last three years would never happen. So I don't know what to believe. Um, I'm open to absolutely anything, mate. I, I, I don't I don't have a big enough ego to think I know it all. I'm kind of like, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm open to that. And then let's see what evidence shows up for it certainly feels a very anti-human um, force. I mean, there's, there's absolutely no humanity in it. There's no regard for humanity within it. Um, and so the idea that it would be an, a non-human force isn't, that that wouldn't shock me in the slightest. That's not something that I would I would actually find odd. In fact, I'd probably find it more odd if it, if it wasn't. Me too. Yeah. Well, you only got to look at the size of the universe to think we're the only ones, any sort of intelligent life, although most of us aren't. Um, intelligent life um, to think we're the only ones is just insane I think to be honest and the fact that we're basically blind in terms of what we can see with our eyes of what's actually in the space in front of us there could be something sat opposite this table in the room me and Gareth are in right now and we wouldn't know so how do you how can you really with that logic ever dismiss anything um, the other thing is is the the world as as Gareth says yeah it's very anti-human because if you look at the conspiracy from a just a five cents perspective the only sort of reward they get is power and money, right? Okay, but if you're using nuclear weapons to destroy the planet, if you're putting EMF everywhere that's destroying the planet, if you're destroying food supplies and all that, as a human, you're destroying your own sense of what you need to survive. You know, there's still people 
that live in, you know, all these elites that live in London, right? They're still surrounded by all this EMF. They're still getting all these um, various different chemicals that you know, that cause harm. So clearly they don't have the same effect on them as they do on us. So what's different about them? That would be kind of the the, the main point I'd make because they're just, if, if they're human beings, they're destroying their own environment, which makes no sense. No, that's what gets to when people talk about Bill Gates, you know, well, they're in it for the money. Bill Gates don't give a shit about money. No. Bill Gates can wipe his ass with a fifty pound note and not worry about it. Like he's not in it for the money. These people aren't in the money, in for the money. Bezos thirteen billion in one day in June twenty twenty. Like the money is not an object for these people, and I don't think it's their desire at all. Um, and I think you know power will be certain part of it because a psychopath craves power. That's you know that's why they rise to the top of all these different organizations and and stuff. But I think there's a lot more to it than that. Definitely. 100%. When you're dealing with people that could walk into any street in the country and just set fire to it and not even give a shit about the cost and it wouldn't even notice, it wouldn't dent their bank account. It's not money. It has to be more than that. It has to be more than that. And, and if you if you think about the, the super rich individuals, you know, when you get that much money, you've got more money than God, right? What, what do you do next? What is going to motivate somebody like Bezos or, or Gates? And, and if you are if you are from that psychopath mindset where you really don't, you, 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 you're not capable of understanding of, of you're not capable of, of, of empathy and of put, putting yourself in other people's shoes. It's, it's not beyond the realms of imagination for the, to, to think that, that these guys or whoever is, is, is behind them as well, you know, who might have even more money. Um, it's not, it's not beyond the realms of possibility for them to think, well, perhaps we are gods, you know, are they trying to, yeah to occupy that place that, you know, do they want to subjugate the human race? Do they believe themselves to be a superior race, if not a superior species to us, right? The humans rather than just, you know, animals like the rest of us. Um, so maybe that's, that's what they do want. Well, you could apply that to royalty, couldn't you? That they claim this divine right from God to rule. So I remember, obviously, it was probably all poetic license, but I remember in school we studied the whole Charles I Cromwell battle and the beheading, and Charles I's argument was that a king can't ever be tried for a crime, basically, because they're put there by God. So the idea that he was tried for treason and then obviously beheaded was completely against God's wishes. That was the whole argument of him. So my, as, as our dad always says, whether you believe they're special or not, they believe they're special, clearly, they believe there's something specific about their genetics. They're also very careful who they breed with and so on. Like if anyone thinks that Harry would have been allowed to marry Meghan if he was in a direct line of succession to the throne and that therefore the kids that they had had any chance of ever being king or queen, no way he would have been allowed. Um, so they clearly believe there's something special about it. So what do they believe? Is that just based on a God complex, like you say, or is it based on the fact they know there's something different about themselves? Well, that's the thing with Kate, wasn't it? Kate and, and Will, like Kate was touted as this, you know, just girl on the street. You know, yeah, she had a private education um, and, and whatever, but, you know, she was just a regular girl and they went to school together and it's a, a nice childhood relationship. Well, actually, if you look at what stock her family comes from in terms of aristocracy, she's she's at least on a par with him. Yeah. So, um, you know, they, they, they go way, 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 way back. Um, so, again, you know, he was never going to meet um, a, a lady at Taco Bell and, and fall in love with the waitress like that was never going to happen. You know? Yeah, yeah. Taco you know, 
There's a Taco Bell in Mansfield. It's weird, isn't it? So I don't know why there's be one, but there is one in Mansfield, yeah. <laughs> you know, so what what are you seeing as you're going around now? I I at the beginning of all of this, there were, you know, a, almost everybody had swallowed it really. You know, I it, it was astonishing to see it. I remember at the beginning of it, you know, my kids used to say, Can 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 we go down to Asda and laugh at the people with muzzles on? You know, we didn't even need to buy anything. It was just, yeah, come on then, we'll have a look at them. And after a while, it became, you know, the joke wore off, really, didn't it? And it became a bit serious. But then we're seeing much, far more people waking up. And I remember last year at the festivals, I was playing with the Daz Band, and um, there was a sort of feeling of sort of being at war, and that's still there. But now there seems to be a feeling of victory, because, Gareth, you and I were both at Jam for Freedom. And 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 that... Um, the, the 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 atmosphere there to me was was different this time it was much more positive wow how are you seeing this yeah um i had an interesting um situation yesterday actually i went to the barbers to get my ears lowered in the local village <laughs> and um it's one of those typical barber shops that you see now where it's basically faux brick wall like that the guys have got tats up their neck you know like skin fades that's the sort of image that they tend to look like now i went in there they don't know me, I don't know them, so they don't know my beliefs. And normally, you know, you sit in a barbershop, you talk about football or where you're going on holiday or, you know, what you do the weekend, that sort of like, you know, chit-chat. But they just started talking about the state of the world, these three lads. And so I was kind of like, oh, this is interesting. And um, and one of them who ran, runs the place, he's only like, say, mid-30s maybe, he was like, you know, fucking, I didn't take any of that shite. I didn't have any of those jabs. And they were all like, no, no, none of us had it. No, well, I was trying to, you know, he was saying basically he tried to make his his mum and grandma not have it. He's like, I got through to my dad and I got through to my granddad. They didn't have it. But my, my nan did. She's got angina now. My mum's got all these health problems that she didn't have. Uh, they've accepted now that that's what it was, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm sat there, I was thinking, and then it went on further and they started talking about Ukraine, they started talking about this and they were talking about climate change. And I'm just sat there like, this is, wow, like, where's this coming from? Because um, I only live in a wee village, you know, and, and then they were like, um, he started talking about, oh yeah, I pay £100 a month for the water and none of us even use the water here. No one drinks all that, you know, rubbish with fluoride in it and all this sort of stuff. They, I was like, we don't eat crap food. Everyone's got like, you know, bottled water. In fact, this lad's got this thing in his house which takes the water out and, and alkalizes it and all this sort of stuff. I'm looking, I'm thinking, you shouldn't judge, but we all make snap judgments. You just kind of look like hashtag lad in Benidorm, but you're not. You totally switched on and you've seen through it. And that that was really I, I remember messaging my wife as I as I was walking back home, like dead encouraged, like, mate, that's amazing. You know, because these aren't what you would consider to be, you know, truthers or awake, for want of a better phrase, folk. They're just regular guys that are like, no, I've seen through the bullshit, not having it. Yeah, definitely. I think there's a lot of people that have woken up that don't talk about it as well, or a lot of people that do stuff like that that maybe don't, you know, like like us guys shout it from the rooftops and put it out there for everyone to see what our opinions are on things. So I'm almost interested if they do try and do something again, how many of those people that stay quiet but quietly learned the lessons? Last oh time, yeah, yeah, yeah. How many of those are going to turn around and go? Actually, no. This time, this time, I'm going to put my head above the parapet. Um, and that's where, to be fair, the, being the first people over the top, as you know, all those people that were on those protests in the early days and the protests through 2021 and so on were, it encourages those people next time that, you know, you're not going to stand up and be alone. You're not going to turn up at Trafalgar Square and there's eight of you there. You know, there's going to be thousands, hundreds of thousands of you there pushing back. So 
that's that's definitely a really encouraging sign. Like I always find the best people to speak to about stuff is taxi drivers. Taxi drivers are brilliant because they speak to so many different people and get yeah. a good range of views, and yeah, they're a good barometer of what people are thinking. I guess hairdressers would be the same. Hairdressers the same. Yeah. Hairdressers the same. And um, well, I had a conversation with a really good taxi driver in Belfast last week, and um, yeah, completely switched on to to literally everything from you know immigration to health to climate change to to the pandemic or pandemic and. It's good. It's encouraging, but that's where yeah, you know, I can I couldn't get out of the taxi a couple of weeks ago. He just kept on and on about all of this stuff, and he totally, utterly clued up about everything. And he'd, he'd sort of charged me, and I was sitting in there. I thought you're missing fares just because you can have a great chat here. I felt guilty, but it, yeah, the, the numbers are a lot more though. I mean, they tried to marginalise us, you know, when they give it the five million five figure, million. and then I remember on Good Morning Britain, um, one of the medical officers or chief scientists or whatever experts let slip 20 million didn't she and it was like oh that's that's jumped and 20 million. and and all of a sudden it went from you know five million small pop small part of the population to all of a sudden well hang on that's a third of the population that haven't even had one um the other day i got a message from a lad who lives out in the middle east that, that i used to play ice hockey with and i'd very rarely get a message from him outside the ice hockey season because we both support the same team so you know when a game's on you might back and forth but apart from that you know i wouldn't hear from him for three four months um, and he was having an op and he messaged me going, mate, um, how do I guarantee I don't get vaccinated blood? I don't want that shit in me. And I was like, wow, OK, I thought you'd have had it. I've got to say, like, I didn't think for a minute you would be one of the people that would turn this down um, because he travels a lot. But he's obviously got around it somehow. So that was amazing. And he made me think like like dad, uh, Jay said, I must call you dad then. Uh, Jay, Jay said yes. that, um, that actually um, there's a lot more people that were quiet. I think because it was so you were attacked like you'd, you'd get the odd knobhead that would shout abuse at someone in a mask or someone who was getting a jab whatever you get the odd one but most people on our side were kind of just live and let live because if i don't want you to tell me to wear one i'm not gonna i'm not gonna tell you not to because that's kind of do you know what i mean that it's got to be a two-way street um but the other side were freaking evil and there was so much vitriol and it reminded me of the whole Brexit era. Same with Trump. How Same many with Trump. Admitted to voting. Well, that's the thing. I know people, and so does Jay, because one of them's a mutual friend who worked in London in kind of, you know, your, your lefty loveyville that voted for Brexit that told people he voted Remain because you couldn't be asked with the grief. You know, you could not be asked with getting the year old grief every time, you know, you went and had a chat at the bar. So he was like, yeah, no, I voted Remain. I don't know for a fact he didn't. He was very pro Brexit. And so, you know, there's a lot of people within our realm. But when they don't talk about it, they don't talk about it. But when you try and force a pin in their arm or you try and force a, a, a mask on their face, they they then they will talk about it and then they will say, no, I'm not having it. Yeah, yeah there'll be so many people that told their friendship groups they had it. Because oh, they didn't want to be the only one in the friendship group that didn't and start that conversation. Because like, it is like attack of the hounds, isn't it? If you're, yeah. if you're in a friendship group and you're the one in the five that hasn't had it, you know the second you say that, the four are on you. Because yeah. it's a reflection on them. Because as soon as you start saying, actually, I think it's dangerous, they're, they're looking in the mirror going, they're yeah, I've already had it, so I don't want to I don't want to hear this. So I'm going to double, double down. down. Yeah. It's that whole thing where you, you... I use the analogy all the time, but I think it fits where you, you see your mate's wife necking some lad in a bar, and so you tell your mate, mate, I've seen your wife necking this lad in a bar. Nine times out of 10, that mate is not going to thank you for that information. He's going to turn it around on you. Oh, yeah, all right, you were always jealous of our relationship. They will attack you because they don't want to hear it because no one wants to know their no. wife's necking a lad in a bar. Like, jeez, I, I, I can accept that reality or I can pretend that reality doesn't exist and I'll attack you instead. 
And there was a lot of that where yeah, you would definitely. talk to people about jab harms and like Jay says, you know, these people have had two and three and I don't want to hear that. So I'm just going to attack you. You must be wrong. Um, and so then when people come out and actually admit that actually, no, that's not the case, that's quite a big thing. And that's where I think to go back to your first, one of your first points about the, the, the split in the truth movement, you know, I, I was very forgiving of people like Mal Hotra because I, and then bear in mind, this is a guy that, that when I went to Gibraltar didn't want to be photographed with me because he, he'd been advised not to be by his his management, right? And I wasn't offended by that. I was just like, okay, I'm just going to, you know, and in the end, we got on really, really well and he apologised to me. Um, but the point I'm making is this is a guy, yeah, he pushed the jab at the start, you know, and that's wrong. And he went on TV and all this sort of stuff and it's wrong. He then realized, obviously, when it killed his father, what, what it had done. And so he then went on the offensive and he went public and his career is in tatters as a result. So it's like, it's a numbers game. Yeah. And this guy went onto the BBC and he exposed vaccine harms. He totally hijacked the interview on statins and really pushed it out. And that would have woke up a lot of people like my wife, like she's awake anyway, but a lot of her friends aren't because... If it's not in the mainstream, it's not real. As soon as she saw that Mal Hotra interview on BBC, she was forwarding that to her mates. Like, say, do you know what I mean? Like, because they will listen to that. And so when people were attacking him very, you know, and, you know, they were right to attack him in certain ways because he pushed a jab. I yeah. get that. And and do I think he should apologise for that? Yeah, I do. I don't think that's going to happen. But, I, you know, but whatever. But the people attacking him weren't on the BBC. We weren't on the BBC. We, we weren't given that. Interview. Seven million that got on Twitter. We, we didn't get to seven million people. So, you know, you either want people to come to our side or you don't. Because if people come to our side and wake up and they get batted out with a baseball bat, then that's not going to persuade other people to come to our side. There has to be some kind of forgiveness. Don't forget. Don't forget. But a bit of forgiveness, I think, so you can move forward. I, I, okay. I, that's important. I think so. It's, it's amazed me during this how some people that would have, you know, you're very surprised which way they've gone, one way or the other. Some people a bit amazed me, you know, that the, the which side they took. But there was one amusing episode. I was in a, um, I was in a supermarket and I saw an old friend of mine and uh, he, yeah, he, he used to come down to gym. He was one of the, the sort of big muscly dudes who would come down to a gym that I owned in the late nineties. I've known him for ages, really woken up guy, really intelligent, absolutely wonderful dude. And he was there in the supermarket with a muzzle on. And I thought, what the hell's going on there? So anyway, I said, all right, Tony, you know, and uh, and immediately he took the muzzle off and he gave me a hug and he said, how are you doing? And, oh, God, I can't stand this. We've all been fooled. This was right near the beginning of it all. And I thought, what's going on? I said, well, why are you wearing a muzzle? And he went, well, it's for other people. And I thought, oh, here we go. And he went, no, no, no. He said, it's because if anybody tells me to wear a muzzle, I'm going to have to headbutt them. So he said, it's for their own safety that I wear this muzzle. And I thought, that's actually quite an interesting um, reason to wear a muzzle. Yeah, it's a hell of mental gymnastics, I've got to say. A lot of mental gymnastics. I had a similar thing with a lad that lived across the road from me when I, I lived in a, in a different village in Derbyshire. The day it locked down, I remember I was in the garden. I think you came round and dropped off a hard drive to me. Pick one up. Yeah, pick one up off me. Sorry, that was weird. Yeah, that was um, proper weird. And the neighbour came across the road. His girls, he's got two daughters like like I have, and but his had grown up, and he had these toys and like a bike and stuff like that. So he brought it round, and I was like, I thought, you know, I don't know him that well. I'm quite happy he's coming around the house. When we're in lockdown, 
Um, and he gave us the bikes and stuff. And he was like, yeah, he goes, it's just new world order shit, mate. He goes, I'm ex-military. So I've seen it all, man. I've seen it all. It's, it's, this is this is what it is. They're pushing this, they're pushing that, they're pushing this. And I'm there going, oh, mate, yeah, exactly. Like, you know, so he goes back to his house. And then maybe two or three weeks later or whatever, I saw him out in the, in the local shop and he had a mask on. And he was like, oh, mate, how are you? And I'm going, what are you doing? What are you doing? I can't... <clears throat> I was literally like dumbfounded. I didn't even say anything. I was literally dumbfounded. I was walking home afterwards, I said to the wife, you never guess what? What I used to help, what I used to love is I used to mainly go to the local shop like you. And obviously local shop has got a lot of like 10 members of staff on rotation. So after a week of arguing, they know who you are and they leave you alone. But then when you go to the big shop, the occasion you would see someone else without a mask that like moment yeah worry and you yeah. turn you turn down the aisle <laughs> you just see you're like me uh, yeah and it was that that was actually the only good thing about lockdown was you got to see a few and i had two people in my village that i noticed who um who were definitely on side it must have been the easiest time to go and meet on a on a on a, a blind date or a blind date or whatever because you just turn up don't you there's anything you go oh, i'm off I'm yeah, off. absolutely. She wears shades. They don't know what you look like at all. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's... it was funny, the whole thing. I, my my missus is from Tanzania, and she's a nurse. And you can imagine the incredible hassle she had, um, you know, to wear a muzzle, get jabbed. She resisted it all, you know, even when they said they were going to sack her. And I thought, she's a proper hero because, you know, I sit at home, I do what I do and whatever, and I, I, I don't get too much hassle. But she did. And she stuck with it all the way through. And eventually in the office space where the nurses come you know and work and they go out into the community and whatever and and they actually um they 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 put a um a, a perspex screen around her desk because you know she was so infectious and all that and i said to her you know why put a note up inside saying is it because i'm black and just see what they do she's not she's not quite as naughty as me though so she didn't do it but i thought I'd love to have seen. Well, I bet they were more frightened of racism than they were. Oh, they'd have pulled the screen oh, down straight away. Mate. <laughs> they would have straight away. Wouldn't yeah, they? I mean, we know someone that that in, in Derby that had a similar situation. She she didn't get the jab and didn't wear a mask and stuff, and they they put her desk separate from everyone else's in her office block and all this kind of stuff. It's, yeah, it's, it's it's very very strange to to be like you know in the twenty twenties and you're basically, basically a white Rosa Parks. Yeah, it's, it's bloody strange. I know, it's really... Do you guys think that they're going to try it again? I mean, we were talking this morning in one of our group calls that they're they're trying to serve up three new variants, however the hell they are supposed oh, yeah. to have discovered those. You know, yeah, do, 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 you th do you think it's going to come again? I think they're trying, mate. I think the last couple of weeks here, they've been polling. You know how they do. They put things out in the media and they, 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 they'll be scrolling through social media and, and just testing the water um, at the moment, I think there's a lot of resistance to it. There's less resistance in the US because it's partisan. So your Biden lot will just whack a mask on to identify themselves as anti-Trumpers, basically. So they, they've already started. And now Canada, you know, yesterday there was a press conference. They're saying, you know, the jabs are out now. And, you know, we encourage people to get their masks back out and all this kind of stuff. So so there it's definitely coming out. Um, quite an interesting thing like and, and you know you can take it or leave it but I got a message from from a friend who, who I used to work with as a PT and you know people will look at a PT and just think you know what does a PT have to do in terms of knowledge of this kind of stuff and what I'd say to that is as a PT you talk to everyone so when I was personal training I, I would train bodybuilders 
and I would train. Um, I, I trained a, a, an international uh, field hockey player, and I trained the surgeon from the local hospital. You know, you literally train everyone. And when you're training for an hour, people talk because it's awkward to not, you know, talk just stand in silence. So people talk to you about their lives and their job and whatever. And so my mate messaged me and just said, "What, what, what, what are you saying about the Rona coming back?" And I was like, "Well, this is about a week ago." I was like, "Well." It looks like they're trying it. He's like, I think so. He said, I spoke to a mate that's high up in, in, in the hospital and he's saying they're talking about something coming out of Canada or something and something to do with pets and transmission with pets or something. And obviously the last couple of days, Canada's really ramped it up and, and you're like, well, do you know what? You might have been onto something then. You might have been onto something. And, and so I said, you know, what else did he say then? And he was like, they were talking about some some chat about restrictions in December. So is it a coincidence they're now talking about this this bulldog this xl bully dog which has brought the subject of pets and muzzles and licenses and all of that to the conversation but i saw somebody tweet somebody who is a is an alternative woman i can't remember her name but she's on twitter um decent following like would have retweeted stuff we've done and, and and so on and she was talking about the fact that all pets, particularly dogs, now need owners to be licensed, muzzled when in public, da, 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 all these stuff, all because of this dog attack. And, um, you know, it's brought that subject to people's minds. So whether that's connected to if they are going to try and use pets or the transmission through pets, it's made it a, a kind of a bigger story. At the moment, the government technically have no idea who has a pet. Whereas if they bring in licenses and owner certificates and all of that and insurance... Then if they did try and do something involving pets, it's a lot easier for them to know who hasn't. Yeah. And also, you know, if you then force every domesticated pet to be chipped, then you don't necessarily have to chip every owner. Because if the dog's somewhere, so is the owner. And so, you know, the, there's there's perhaps a little part of that as well. But it'd be yeah. interesting, like I say, you know, it was a it was a message, a text. Whether something comes of it, I don't know. But it was interesting then, like I say, last couple of days, this new variant popped up in, in Canada. Of all the countries in the world, I found that quite interesting, given what this guy at the hospital had said. I've, I've forgotten the names of them now. There's three new ones, aren't there? We were talking about it on the call this morning, that one of them, the name is the, is the uh, goddess of sort of chaos and division and, um, you know, and, and then the other one actually is, uh, 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 the, it means penis, Brilliant. <laughs> That's it. These various just nuts. They're taking a piss, aren't they? There's no question that they are and probably using AI as well to try and gauge the the level of impact that they've got and then their reach and, and uh, their leverage as well in the uh, in the population. A lot of us will be out there thinking, okay, if they try to pull it again, how close to the majority are we? Are they awakened? You know, will they be able to pull it off? Will it work or whatever? And th there's a part of me, guys, that that thinks actually that's not really the question, because what we're about, like like we're saying earlier, Gareth, you know, the 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 all that we need, all that we need to unite around is the fact that the system that they've built for us doesn't serve us, and and whoever's in charge of it clearly doesn't have our interests at heart. Beyond that. Believe what the hell you want. It really, it really doesn't matter. So I think it's really important for for everyone who is seeking the truth to 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 understand that we're we're not looking to replace that pyramidic structure with another one, with a better version of the system. It's like waiting for a better prime minister or president to come in. You know, we yeah. don't need new leadership. We don't need a better form of leadership. We need to get rid of leadership. 
and that the, the world that we're going to rebuild is going to be a grassroots world. It's not going to be top down. And there's not going to be an orthodox belief system that you have to you have to sign up for, you know. And, and I think that on one level, what that allows each of us to do is to step forward and lead in our own way, yeah. like 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 you guys are doing. You know, you, you're not you're, you're not in your dad's shadow. Phil and I are doing doing our thing our way. Everyone's out there doing their thing their way. And we've got social media now. We've got the Internet and uh, much as they try and control it. But I think there's also a chunk of people out there who are still waiting to see the mainstream media acknowledge that the tide has turned. Not, that's never going to happen. It's not going to happen, no. No. It's not, not going to so happen. So you've, you've kind of got to just get up and get on with it anyway. Yeah. Think? We make these systems that don't work for us redundant. The education system is trying to indoctrinate our kids, then we take a power back and we do it ourselves. If the health system is, as you guys are doing, if the healthcare and food industry is trying to promote certain thing, we do the opposite politics the same just disengage with it what power would an election have say in the uk when there's the one next year if 20 percent of the country voted it's got no power because that means whoever's prime minister is only prime minister because what eight percent of the country voted for them to be there they've got no power whatsoever we need to just bypass we've got one that no one voted for well no exactly <laughs> same same with the media if then because they're never going to acknowledge it best way to do it is to swell BBC, easy one, starve them of their resources that they need to do it. Don't pay your TV licenses. Don't allow them to be able to use your money to do that. If you stop, if we stop buying these ridiculous products that are advertised on these mainstream channels, then their advertising revenue is going to fall. And, you know, those channels are going to be forced to look out, look, you know, have a look in the mirror. You just got to make hit it where it hurts. Like people did in America with Bud Light, with Target, with those two advertising campaigns that were, promoting um the gender ideology in kids you just gotta hit them where it hurts not violently not by you know cancel culture just by if they're not working for you just don't buy their products yeah unplug um, yourself from the system one plug at a time yeah yeah guys I'm, I'm conscious of your time i know it's coming up to time where you've got to leg it um just a couple more questions really quick um One's already been answered. One of our challenge members wanted me to ask if uh, if Gareth is single, but he's clearly not. So there we go. That was one question. Married with two the, kids. I'm offended. I wasn't. So. <laughs> the other the other question was, guys, what what do you think? What what's your vision of the future? Are we winning? What's going to happen? I th I think so. I think it's I think it's going to be a, a spicy winter. I do think. I think they're going to try and bring back the owner. I think they're going to try and throw stuff at us. I think they'll try and hit people with propaganda and fear. Um, and I think the biggest fear that people have is is their kids' welfare. So I would imagine a variant that attacks young people will be something that they'll push. I don't think people are that sympathetic to, you know, shutting down the planet for an 88-year-old with their whole life ahead of them um, anymore. Whereas I think when it comes to kids, they will be. So, you know, the rollout of this new nasal spray could be worth looking into. Are you going to find kids getting poorly and they're going to say that's the new strain in X, Y, and Z? So I think there's going to be a lot of resistance that people are going to have to have to propaganda because I, I do get the feeling that actually you might actually see people getting ill That's, um yeah. which wasn't really the case in in 2020 you know there were there, there was a lot of euthanization in, in uh, euthanasia sorry in care homes and things like that but there was also cooking the books and making up figures i remember seeing the figures for the village i lived in um 
for for COVID, and it said twenty six deaths. Everyone knows everyone in that village. There was one death the entire time. It was a lady three doors down from me. She was very very elderly, and I don't think it was even claimed to be Rona related. But either way, that wasn't just a manipulation of figures. They just made that up. But who is anyone to verify that? Apart from the people that live in that village, and I doubt many people in my village were going on OMS data like I was, you know, like every day. Um, so, I th- but I think there, there will there will probably be deaths. Um, I think the jab will be a big part of that. You know, a lot of the the big players, including you know Batar, God rest his soul, they they spoke about the three year period, um, which is what we're now coming up to this winter. Um, so I think people will die and people will lose loved ones, and that will then, you know, there will be a lot of pressure put on us because they certainly won't admit that it's the vaccinated, even though the figures are all showing that. Um, so I think we'll have to be strong this winter. But I think once we get through that, if we stay firm as a as a as a, a sizable minority, should we say, that, that we can come out the other side of it for sure. Yeah, I'd echo that. Absolutely. In terms of um, this winter, I definitely think they need some kind of catalyst to to get that fear back. I don't think simply TV propaganda will cut it this time. I think by the third lockdown, it had stopped working even then. Um, So I definitely think they need some kind of catalyst, whether that's the kids, as Gaz says. I mean, I remember remember last year, that strep A kind of thing that was in the news for about two or three weeks my son got got sick in that period, not with anything like that, obviously. But when I took him to A and E just to get a little once over on his chest, um, it was packed. It was full of parents that were terrified. So, something like that was ramped up, and there was actually kids getting sick. Then who knows? Um, but resilience is the key. Resilience and persistence are the, are the two real things that are going to get us through this. Just not giving up. Although we're all a bit weary, it's been three years of constant battles and. As we said earlier in the podcast, there's the internal battles as well within the movement all to kind of take your attention and energy away. But if you look at anyone or anything that's ever achieved anything, it's persistence. It's just grinding it out time and time again and making sure that you're still standing when everyone else isn't. And that's what this movement has to be, no matter what they chuck at us. Like everyone that's resisted the jab, whether like, you know, people like your wife, as you mentioned, more so because they'll have had it more actively pushed on them at work and there was more to lose like for us it was never even a conversation and we've not we've been lucky enough we've never had to lose anything as a result but for those that did but still stood firm you're bulletproof nothing they can throw at you can do that well they're going to do it again um and that's 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 all i'd say just self-responsibility yeah and, and resilience i feel like it's almost like you know you're halfway through a football season and halfway through the football season you are more tired physically than you were at the beginning where you've just come back off your nice holiday with your family and whatever. But at the same time, you're, you're better because you're more experienced. You've played that many games. You've, you, you, you're battle hardened. You've, you've done your basic training. You know what the opposition can throw at you and you know how best to placate it. That's what I think the last three years have been. That's the first half of the season. And now we're, we're going to go through to the end of the game. And yeah, like Jay says, people are tired but so are those footballers. But I don't mean we're not better. I think we're better because we're better prepared. Um, and and we've, you know, we've built those, uh, again, football analogy, but we've built those relationships with the teammates. We've got a tribe now. I, I know where my teammate's going to be at a certain time. I know what runs they're going to make because of that experience. And so, um, you know, I, I think there's lots of reasons to be positive because I also think they've spent a lot of centuries in the shadows and now they are coming out and they're not coming out by choice. 
Because why? if you're manipulating everything and running the show from the shadows, why at any point would you ever come out into the light where people can see you and you make yourself a target? But they've been forced to because people are waking up um, en masse. And they're more terrified of us than we are of them. That's that's mm. undoubtful in my view. Definitely. But you've both actually mentioned fear as well as being, to me, it seems like fear is one of the enemy's main weapons. And uh, maybe hope. My, one of my big hopes is that a lot more people out there are becoming immune to the fear because I think the fear is is the real virus that's yeah. out there because fear stops you thinking rationally. Fear stops you from stepping up. The fear of of standing alone, and um, that that fear, that fear of, of of being isolated and standing alone. I I, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it was... it's, it's got no grip on me anymore. No, no, not at all. No, freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose. That's a phrase, right? When you realize, <laughs> when you realize you've got nothing to lose because you've got your body, just yeah. you know the sanctity of that by not by refusing to comply with it. Everything else is secondary to that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, guys, thank you so much. That's been a pleasure. Thanks. Brilliant. Thank really you. enjoyed it. And listen, if if anybody's uh, um, listening to this and doesn't know, we'll put the link underneath. Go and check out their their content on Iconic. It's absolutely brilliant. So thanks a lot, guys. And um, see you soon. Cheers. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Well